Hello, and welcome to episode 43 of the Odd World News Podcast. This week's episode is titled Missing Items, Mammoth Finds, and Getting Caught. Odd World News is a weekly podcast where we cover the strange and peculiar news that has occurred throughout the world. If you would like to follow along with this week's episode, you can find the show notes in your podcast application of choice, or by going to oddworld.news slash 43. Here are the stories for the week of October 4th, 2015. Seasonal Return Last week on episode 42, we covered a story about an Atlantic giant pumpkin that was stolen in Spearfish, South Dakota. Well, that stolen pumpkin was found in a rural area and returned to the owner. When the pumpkin was found, it was easily noticeable that the person who had stolen the pumpkin had tried to carve it. Overdue Plates There are times when we all end up getting a ticket for things that we have done, and other times for things that we have not. When this occurs, we usually just think that the police have to fulfill their quota. Typically, there's a limit to the number of tickets one can receive before it becomes a problem. There are some people who take many different tacks to avoid having to pay fines. One Kuwaiti driver thought as though having license plates from a different golf country would allow him to escape having to pay the fines. Well, the man was caught and now faces $190,000 in fines. This amount covers over 1,600 traffic tickets. The thing that got the man caught was that he did not change his license plates over. Throughout the Gulf, cameras are used to enforce speed limits as well as traffic laws. For those in Kuwait, they have one month to get new license plates for their foreign-bought cars. Missing Capsule It is quite common for schools to celebrate remodeling and opening of new schools by burying a time capsule. The usual tradition is to open the time capsule many decades after it was buried. This is exactly what students who attended Hoover Middle School in in the Atlantic, Florida, in 1976 did. This is when the time capsule was buried. There was one slight issue to this, though. Nobody could remember exactly where it was buried, and the teacher in charge of the project, Jack Deppner, died a few years ago. Don Atkinson Spacio, an alumna of the school, recounted a story about Deppner trying to remember where it was buried, but never being able to do so. She states, quote, I come to find out that we were actually supposed to uncover it 20 years later, and now we're 20 years behind. Mr. Deppner was running all over the school and said, I think I forgot where I buried it, end quote. The alumni started a Facebook thread about the missing time capsule. The group has been exchanging ideas about where the time capsule ended up. A group of boys buried the time capsule with Deppner, and through conversation on Facebook, they think it was buried by the boys' locker room. Atkinson Spacio states, quote, Of course the boys would bury it in the stinkiest area of the school, end quote. In order to locate the time capsule, the former students are going to get some metal detectors and employ ground-penetrating radar to be able to locate it. Once it is located, the school will have to ask the school board for permission to dig up the time capsule. Hoover Middle School is celebrating its 50th year and has some special events planned already, including an alumni basketball game on November 5th. If and when the time capsule is found, a special event will be held for opening up that time capsule. Mammoth Find Jim Bristle of Washtenaw County in southeastern Michigan was digging a catch basin in his soybean field when he came upon a rib bone. Bristle's digging partner, Trent Saddlesweight, states, quote, It looked like a bent fence post. So I asked Jim if he'd buried a fence out there, and he said, no. So then I saw another piece that looked more like a bone, and asked him if he'd buried cattle out there. And again, he said no. End quote. The skull and bones belong to a woolly mammoth. When Bristle mentioned it to his wife, she stated, quote, We're not hanging it over the mantle. End quote. Bristle chimed in and stated, quote, And I don't think there's a buck pole big enough for it. End quote. When they realized the number of bones was a sizable quantity, they contacted Dan Fisher, 
director of the University of Michigan Museum of Paleontology. Fisher and a team of students finished the excavation of the bones. Fisher states, quote, It is one of the ten most significant mammoth finds in Michigan in recorded history. End quote. One of the downsides to the find is the number of people, roughly 200 as of this recording, who have been visiting Bristle's farm to see the mammoth bones. This has led to Bristle not getting as much work done as he would like. One visitor who brought her second grade granddaughter states, quote, This is a once in a lifetime opportunity to be this close to something like this. End quote. Bristle will be donating the entire find of 200 bones to the University of Michigan for future studies and to be displayed. Fisher will begin the cleaning of the bones on Bristle's farm so they can be moved for preservation and display. As an editorial note, the link to the story has a slideshow with pictures of the bones that were found. Moving holidays. Fall brings a bunch of things. Pumpkins, football, Halloween, and in specific parts of the country, horse racing. Because of the confluence of three of these, some residents are requesting that trick-or-treating be moved in Lexington, Kentucky to October 30th. On October 31st, there was supposed to be a University of Kentucky football game, as well as the Breeders' Cup competition in nearby Keeneland. Residents are concerned that the kids may be unsafe, with more than 10,000 people expected for the two events. They have started a petition on GoPetition.com requesting this change. Luther Ondahl, who began the petition on September 29th, states, quote, There's going to be a lot of traffic. There's going to be lots of consumption of alcohol by a lot of adults. When trick-or-treaters are added to the mix, I just think it's a bad combination. End quote. When asked, Susan Drab of the Urban County Council states, quote, Halloween is going to be on Halloween. End quote. Straub continues, quote, The police have told us they can handle the three events in one day. End quote. In August, at least one Urban County Council member suggested moving trick-or-treating to October 30th, and Keeneland, which is hosting the Breeders' Cup, also requested the change. In 2013, the city moved trick-or-treating to November 1st because of a threat of a severe storm. In 1992, the city council wanted to move the date to the 30th because it conflicted with the University of Kentucky's homecoming game, but realized it was the start of the Jewish Sabbath and moved it back to the 31st. As of this recording, there have been 881 people who have signed the petition to support this change. Messy hiding. As mentioned earlier in the podcast, some people go to extreme lengths to avoid getting caught. One woman, who had two warrants for identity theft, was spotted by Eugene, Oregon police. When police began to approach her, she ran. Woman ran through a neighborhood and eventually came to a fence that bordered with the Eugene Swim and Tennis Club. Police continued searching for the woman. A construction worker who was working on the property went to use the restroom by using a porta potty. When he lifted the lid, he found the woman was down in the toilet portion of the porta potty. The construction worker notified police, who arrested the woman. No food for the rude. When we are young, many of us do dumb things, in particular while within college. One 19-year-old University of Connecticut student walked into the Student Union Center with an open beer in his hand. Food court manager indicated to the student that he could not have open alcohol in the food court. The student then proceeded to harass the food court manager, and he repeatedly demanded, quote, just give me some bacon jalapeno mac and cheese, end quote. The taunting went on for several minutes, and the student ended up pushing the food court manager. This is when a security officer was notified, and the student was arrested. This is not the first time the student has gotten into trouble for his antics. He was previously a student at the University of Massachusetts, where he was twice arrested on disorderly conduct charges. Court records show that he was accused of using racial slurs against police officers in those incidents. The student now faces disciplinary actions from the University of Connecticut, 
These range from probation to expulsion. As an editorial note, a link to the 9-minute video that was captured is in the show notes. Schooled in Arguments Ivy League schools are known to be quite arrogant when it comes to academic pursuits. Along with academics, community outreach is something that all Ivy League schools strive for. This is why three people from Harvard's College Debating Union agreed to debate three prisoners from Bard Prison in Napanock, New York. President of the Harvard College Debate Union, Dhruva Bhatt, states, quote, The prison initiative reached out to us to set up a debate, and we agreed. We wanted to be of any help that we could be, end quote. But continues, quote, The debating team thinks debating is a powerful tool, and we want to work with other organizations to try to get public debate in more public schools. Debating has changed our lives, and this confirmed how powerful a tool education and debating can be. End quote. The face-off included the argument that, quote, public schools in the United States should have the ability to deny enrollment to undocumented students. End quote. Bard prisoners had to promote that argument despite disagreeing with it. The prisoners raised points that the Harvard debate team did not counter. After all was said and done, it was determined that the Bard prisoners had won the debate. This is not the first time the Bard Prison Trio has defeated debaters. In 2014, the prison debaters beat both the Military Academy at West Point as well as the University of Vermont debate squad. When questioned whether the Harvard debate team went easy on the prisoners, Bot states, quote, Not having access to the internet definitely made it a lot harder for them. Clearly, Bart has given them a very solid foundation. End quote. Swept away. It is not uncommon to have massive storms like tornadoes and hurricanes cause destruction. What is less common is to have more typical storms cause damage to property. However, this is exactly what occurred in Middle Township, New Jersey. A home in the township had become quite dilapidated over the years. Neighbors have been notifying local officials for some time, but officials have ignored the complaints. A storm rolled through the area, and due to the structurally unsound nature of the house, it was swept off its pilings and into the bay. According to Jim Moores, a neighbor of the property, quote, all of this could have been prevented if somebody had taken the right action when all of these issues were pointed out, but nothing was done. End quote. Morris goes on, quote, They may be cleaning up the stuff, but me and my neighbors will be cleaning up the rest over the years. End quote. One of the other neighbors, Haldy Gifford, spent three hours fending off the refrigerator from the failed house. A third neighbor, Joe Clifford, states, The house broke loose and went by his house, hit a few decks, and struck his 18-foot boat before heading out into the bay boat that was struck did capsize. The owner of the home has secured permission from the Army Corps of Engineers to use a barge crane to remove the remnants of the house from the local marsh. Cleanup should take about a week. A GoFundMe page has been created to aid the homeowner in removing debris caused by the house falling off its pilings. Slip up. In South Brunswick, New Jersey, there have been a spate of burglaries, a total of 48. While this number is large, the unusual aspect of this is that all of these burglaries occurred in the same night. Of these, police indicate that a man may be involved in as many as 42 of them. The man stole approximately $1,500 worth of laptops, cash, and other items from a dozen unlocked vehicles. The man used a van belonging to Sterling Adult Daycare, a van from his previous employer. What got the man caught was the fact that he dropped his wallet while he was running away from the police. The man is being held at Middlesex County Correction Center on charges including burglary and theft. Bail has been set at $30,000. And that concludes this week's episode of the Oddworld News Podcast.
You can find the show notes for this episode and all previous episodes at oddworld.news. You can follow us on Twitter at underscore oddworldnews. If you'd like to submit a story or send feedback, you can email us at oddworldnewspodcast at gmail.com. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe or follow the Amazon link on the left side of the website. Thanks for listening, and we will be back next week.